Fashion Consort News Bites is a podcast that covers breaking news and current issues in the fashion, lifestyle, and retail industries. Insight and perspective is provided by the experts at Fashion Consort, an agency based in New York City focused on creating, producing, and delivering content that inspires, entertains, and educates. Follow us on Instagram at Fashion Consort Agency and learn more at fashionconsort.com. Hello, hello. It's so good to be back on Fashion Consort News Bites. I'm with the members of the Fashion Consort Agency, Isabella Donataro, Karen Pang, Corinne Phillips, and Susanna Moyer. It's so great to have you guys uh, back on the podcast. Tonight, we're going to do something a little bit different as we have uh, had a little bit of a chance to sort of sit back a bit and kind of think about what's happening around the COVID-19 pandemic. We've also had a chance to get to know each other a little better. One of the questionnaires that we've come across in the last few weeks is one from the psychotherapist Esther Perel, and she has recommended some questions that can be asked over lunch as a way to get to know your coworkers. So we thought it would be a lot of fun this evening to ask those questions of each other and get to know each other. And it's also a chance then for you, our clients and our listeners to get a chance to know us. So the way that this is going to work is that tonight I'm going to start off with the first question and choose the first victim, and uh, they're going to answer the question, and then they will follow that up with a question to another um, member of the Fashion Consort team. So we're going to see how this works. But first of all, hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hi. Hi. You got to love Zoom. All right. So my first question, and I, I have a feeling that they know this is coming, is for Phil. Uh, so Corinne Phillips goes by Phil. So you've heard that back and forth on the podcast. And I just have this question that I think is perfect for you, which is, what would you say to your 18-year-old self if you had a chat with them today? Great question. So many things. So many things. Let's see. I think I would tell my, my 18-year-old self to trust herself a little more. I would ask of her to just take a deep breath, trust of yourself, to realize that Making decisions that don't seem to work out initially are sometimes part of the process. So it's okay if, you know, you make a misstep and you decide that you, you're doing something you don't want to do or you made a decision that you're changing your mind about. I would tell that the 18-year-old self, it's okay to make a decision that you later on realize was a part of something bigger and greater just to go with it. At the end of the day, it's all going to work out. That's what I would tell myself. And do you think that comes with like, a little perspective? Yeah. I mean, wh- yeah, why, why I mean, is I that think, advice important? Um, I think I think that advice is important because I have been on a little bit of a journey in my life, especially in the last three years or so. And the way my life looks right now and the where, where it's headed is so different from where I thought it would be headed. And I am realizing that that other period of my life, which I thought was very much settled and very much like sort of determined, just played a role in where I am now. I, I'm exactly where I belong, but that sort of detour was 100% necessary. Okay, I have one more follow-up to that because this is so fascinating. I think that we Go tend to, as people, to identify with who we are professionally. 
And so in that way, we sort of have this whole kind of plan of what we're supposed to happen. And so a lot of our, our decisions are made that way. Do you think that that's somewhat connected that maybe it's better to think about your profession separate from your own sort of individual self and how you grow? Well, I think earlier on, I feel like my uh, profession and my development, my individual development was were two very separate things. Uh, what's changed is that at some point they started to merge. So my development uh, of self has led also to a development of career. So I don't know that's how most people approach it, but that's what happened with me. Okay, so enough from me. I'm going to ask a question now. And I'm going to ask a question of Isabella. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) Don't be, don't be afraid. Have you ever lost a friend? Have you ever rejected a friend? Okay. I have lost a friend, but I've always been the rejected, not the rejectee, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I've never really ever rejected anyone particularly, but I've been rejected, unfortunately. Okay, and they, they must have been out of their minds. Why would that happen? That's You're what awesome. I was thinking. You know? out of their minds. Like, and it was painful. It was like losing a boyfriend. Yeah, that yeah. can be that way. Can it yeah. be that way? Or like a lover, I should say. A partner. <laughs> okay, do you want to ask the question? Yeah, Sarah? I have a question. I have a question for Karen. Karen, were you raised for autonomy or were you raised for loyalty? In the hot seat, I was raised for loyalty. Always. I came from a very traditional Asian family and you were raised to be loyal. End of story. No, there's no negotiation with that either. (laughs) Do you feel like you do the same with with your children or you're going to? Or how generationally has that changed for you? You know, I think it's I think it's generational and I think it's also cultural. So I said this to somebody the other day and I said, uh, there's no there's no handbook for parenting. So sometimes you just got to go, you know, with the flow. And there's, you know, some situations you just in the heat of the moment and you're like, OK, we can do that or no, we can't do that or let's think about this. But, you know, I think that's the fun side of parenting. But, yeah, there's a little bit of how my my parents parented my siblings and I, of course, it also it, there's a sprinkling of that with my own children. Okay, my turn. Who is in the hot seat now? I am going to pick Joshua. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What part of your identity was given to you or what part of your identity was chosen? I just had a feeling that question was going to be asked. So <laughs> complex. Listen, I was. I grew up in a very fundamental religious family. So... When you were born, kind of like you, Karen, I had a lot of identity that was put on me. And that sort of informed how we acted in public and how we engaged with the world and what was right to say and not right to say. So I think I've been on a journey sort of personally throughout my life to sort of not necessarily to throw that away, because I think there's a lot of value to that, but to sort of create my own identity. So I would say that at this point, my identity is chosen, that I have chosen sort of the components or the elements that that are important to me that I want people to recognize me for. Okay. All right. So I guess I get to ask another question, and I'm going to go to Susanna. If there's a choice between remembering and forgetting, do you lean towards the side of forgetting or the side of the one who remembers it all? 
So are you asking me if I remember everything or I choose to remember things? Well, that would be interesting to know. So, so I think that I love remembering. I love to, to take what, what's happened, kind of bring it forward. What's funny is my mom, when I saw her, had letters, a whole box of letters that I sent her when I was in Paris in my 20s trying my best to be a fashion designer in Paris. And I'm looking through these letters and and I'm really like reliving details. And I'm so glad I have these details because I feel like I've done so many different things and lived so many places and have been in contact with so many different people, even my students throughout the years, that I forget a lot because it's it's almost like I've had sensory overload with with movement and with people. So um, I I really want to remember, I wish I had a better memory. So I'm going to let you go ahead and start off a second round, Susanna. But before you do, though, I'm just really curious, though, what if it's not great memories? Are you a forgetter or a rememberer? Or do you just put it in the past and move on? No, no. And and you guys were talking about your childhoods. Mine was very disruptive with an alcoholic father. It was very... um, it was very dysfunctional and the function was my mom trying to keep the glue together for all of us. And, and I got to Paris and I really, I really said to myself at that point with my father being, you know, the disruptor, I realized that the disruption allowed me not to be afraid of taking steps forward because nothing was going to happen to me. That was so, so like my childhood and the, the aggression that, that was involved there. So I even just on the phone today with my mom, I'm like, you know what? I, I realized that something really bad that happened was very positive in moving forward. And I was very thankful that I was able to do that. Whereas a lot of my friends that had similar situations, it's taken them a long time to move forward. So, so I, I do remember, I do keep that close to me because it's part of who I am and it's part of of how I move forward and and how I kind of help others as well. Oh, thank you. So I'm going to ask, let's see, this is a good one. Phil, I'm going to ask you, was there a moment where you thought I'm giving up and tell us whether you did or didn't? Good question. Uh, Yes. So I've definitely had a moment where I was like, yes, I'm giving up. When I was working in tech for 10 years, I realized that although I could be good at it, not necessarily great, but good at it, I didn't really have the passion for it. I noticed that the people around me had so much more passion for it and were so much more excited about it than I was. And I was just like, not, I wasn't there with them. And so I decided I had to think about it. I mean, I spent so much time and energy trying to get that career up and running and I had to decide to give up because it just really wasn't right for me. It was the right thing to do. You know, I, I, I know that giving up sometimes doesn't sound like a good thing to do. But I think whenever you are in a position of having to understand what your strengths and your weaknesses are and you want to play more to your strengths than your weaknesses, then maybe sometimes giving up is not the wrong thing to do. And so I gave up. I was like, I'm done. I'm so, out. I so, tapped out. So just a quick Follow-up question. Don't you think there was something about you that your instinct told you, uh-uh, this is not good for me? Yes. I think if you, I'm the kind of person that believes in listening to my life. I feel like life talks to you in many different ways. And if you can get silent enough to let it speak to you, that it will give you a lot of information. 
And I think what as I was there and in working in tech and being really unhappy and being and just struggling with getting work done and didn't watching people around me who had so much passion for it, I realized there's something I have passion for and it wasn't that. So it was I feel like I just I had to just go with the fact that there was something inside of me saying this is not it for you. You know, it's it's not it. Good question. Thank you. All right. So I'm going to move on and I'm going to go to Josh. I have a question for you. Okay. I'm going to go with the same question I asked last time. Have you ever lost a friend? Have you ever rejected a friend? Yes, to both, actually. Tell me. A lot like you were talking about before, about having to make hard decisions about your life, right? I've had to make decisions about certain people that have been in my life which can be really hard because when you're talking about friends, um, family, or whoever it might be, it's really hard to to reject those people that you've put so much effort and you've engaged with at such a, a deep level. But I've also realized kind of throughout life, you can't just solve everyone else's problems and that sometimes it's better to move on than it is to you know try to to figure things out because I, I think that everyone has their own autonomy and everyone has their own sort of needs and, and issues. And there's only so much in a relationship, whether it's a friendship or a business relationship or a romantic relationship that can be achieved if there's only one person sort of working towards something different. And I have to say, I do not like rejecting anyone because I fundamentally believe that everyone is trying their hardest and just trying to get through life. And and my sort of mantra in life is that everyone's doing their best, no matter how shitty they can act. I think everyone's trying their best. And I always give that to people. But at certain points, I think you just have to, to move on and, and kind of find a different um, way forward without some people in your lives. So follow-up question for you, follow-up question is, was this person rejected as in ghosted or was this person rejected? <laughs> Did you like call them up and go, so here's the deal. <laughs> I am incapable of ghosting. I need to like share everything with people before I leave. I if anything, you. they probably feel the opposite of ghosted. They probably feel overwhelmed by all of the many, many reasons and boundaries that I'm now putting up for the uh, rejection that's going to happen. That's awesome. That's a great, that's a great answer. (laughs) I'm turning it over to you now. All right. So I am going to go to Karen. Karen, I'm also wondering what you've been thinking about lately and what's on your mind. And I'm going to add a caveat to this that has nothing to do with COVID-19 because I think obviously that's all on our minds, but I'm curious it could be adjacent to that, obviously, but but what's on your mind today? I am so glad that there's a caveat, not COVID-19, because all I've been thinking about is some good Chinese food, because I'm tired of eating my own cooking, <laughs> and I would like to get some very nice dim sum and flushing, and I just remember that a few months ago, I was having dim sum. But now I'm not having dim sum, but I'd like some dim sum. I just literally bought Chinese food last night because I was like, I cannot cook. I need Chinese food now. Oh, yeah. And then the delivery, it's I ordered Thai food the other day and I said to my daughter, what do you want? What do you want? And she goes, mom, it's 1045. I said, we have to be the first one to get the order into Yelp because Grubhub takes 85 minutes to get the Thai food to the house. 
I sure did. I set it on the timer and I put 85 minutes and they came in 75. <laughs> I said, oh, it's here. A glorious celebration, <laughs> my Thai food. I love so, it. It's as simple as that, right? Yeah, it's just, it's the, you know, just the, the simple joys of life. A little pad thai, a little dim sum will just do me right. Wonderful. I'll let you go. Ooh, okay. So in the hot seat is Miss Isabella. All right. This is a serious one, Isabella. Are you ready? I'm ready as I'm going to be. Okay. Tell me about a time when you change your mind. What's the best piece of advice you ever received? Oh my God, that's a hard one. About a time that I changed my mind. I changed my mind to go back for my master's, you know, and I had talked to a lot of people that I considered mentors at the time. And I think that that's when I probably received my best advice being that, you know, I, it, I, so many years I didn't live for me and for what I wanted to do. And I, I decided to really invest in myself and my future. I don't know how well that paid off considering I graduated in December and this is what's happening now, but I know it will in the long run. And it was really important for me to start living my life for me. You know, I hadn't done that in a really long time. So I think sometimes it's important that you put yourself first like on the airplane, when you have to put your mask on before you could help anybody else. You know, I was running and running and running for so many years that it was time for me to actually take in what I wanted to do and reassess and kind of go back to school and decide all over again with for my second phase of life, basically. So was it one person that triggered you that you said, you know what, this is this is the advice, this is it, I'm going back to school or... Was it, you know, a few people that gave you the same advice and then it, it, it came together and then, you know, the light bulb went off and you, you said to yourself, this is it. This is what I want to do. I think that most of the time when I'm, even when I ask for advice, it's like asking yourself and you really, you know, the answers, but it's the people around you that help you kind of like dig deep and get it out. And I think it was a couple of people one person that, you know, was, you know, had gotten his doctorate later in life and that, you know, he, for the educational side, I thought that he was really, really helpful for me. And then there was another person that for the economic side that I thought, how am I going to close a store that I've had for a decade? And what am I going to do with all this stuff? And finally, like, you know, so well, what's the bottom line here? Is it, you know, what's life about? Like, is it really about money or is it about happiness? You know, I think it was a combination of those two people that really brought it home for me and made me decide that, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And and they were both willing to help me in different aspects to support me and to support my endeavors. And, you know, I'm forever appreciative of that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for asking. Do you want to ask a question, oh, Susanna? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Susanna. So I, I, I really like the, the question. I, I'm going to ask the same question again. What were you raised for autonomy or were you raised for loyalty? I think that, again, family-wise, I think, you know, independence was really part of my growing up. And also I was helping raise three younger kids. So I feel like I've raised 
my brothers and sisters and then came to become an adult with a son. So I feel like it's, it's a little of both, a little of both loyal to, you know, the family. And I, I don't know, it's a hard question for me to answer, but I think it's a little bit of both. It's not one or the other. It's really interesting. So what I think we should do now is I'd like to go, we'll go through each of you. And I'm just curious what your thoughts are about personalizing sort of the workspace. So we just went through this, you know, sort of question and answer. And and it was great, like learning a few things about people that I didn't know, or just kind of hearing different perspectives or different ways of it being told. I think there's been this idea in the, in the American workforce in particular that you leave sort of your personal life at home. And yet, as sort of Esther Perel, who kind of came up with these questions, says, we really do look to work, look to our profession as our identity. So if we're coming to work and we're leaving all of our personal life behind, then we're not really showing up completely. On the other hand, though, work was never a place necessarily to come with all of your personal self. It's work. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are about that. And perhaps, you know, as an agency, we talk a lot about storytelling. We talk a lot about personalization of information. We talk a lot about sharing ideas, teaching and training. And those are all fairly vulnerable sort of activities where you have to listen and you have to be very present with people and they're they're where they are in life and what where they are in their businesses. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are. And I'll start with Isabella. I think it's interesting because I, as, as we're going through these questions and we only, you know, everybody should know that we should, we only just saw them as we popped into this meeting. I thought these are questions that you should ask your coworkers to get to know them. So it's interesting because from the question that Karen asked me, I completely identified myself with what I did like for so many years. And that's why I decided to go back to school because in my own psyche, I had to re-identify myself as, you know, I don't, I want to leave that whole part of my world behind me in a certain sense and move to my next chapter. What's it going to be? But then at a certain point that I think it's so integrated or for me, it's been so integrated in my adult life. Like what I've, what I do is so much of my time that it has dictated my identity, at least for my personal self. Interesting. I don't know if I'm answering the question. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and how would you, how would you bring that to a client and, and sort of that experience or that sort of understanding, how would that relate to a client? So for me, you know, like with my progression of my work life, I always tell a story that and it's always personal. And, you know, somebody told me that once, well, why would you why would you be friends with the people that you work with? Well, why wouldn't I be? Because if I'm going to spend that much time, I want the same kind of aspects that I would want in a friendship with a working relationship. You know, I want that same loyalty. I want that same trust. I want that same values in a friendship that I would in a coworker. I would, or in even somebody that worked under or above me. You know, I think that that's something that I would, I think taking the personal story of the person first as a stylist, I would create their story visually. And now with startup brands, I create their story visually. It's just kind of changed its format. Like first it was styling and then it was 
was in a boutique, you know, in a brick and mortar that I would do it personally. And the way that I, I like people would think, oh, well, she's like a clothing whisperer. She got me exactly what I wanted, but I got it by getting to know them. And then I tell their story visually, whether it's on their body or for their website or in their logo. I want to know everything about them. Like some clients that I ask so many questions to, they're like, well, why are you thinking that? Well, I want to understand. I want to dig deep. So I think for me, it's very intertwined. <laughs> it's so interesting that you said that um, we, if you're going to work with people, you want to get to know them. And it's so interesting that the tables have been turned, that mm-hmm. many of us are sort of stuck with people, and I use stuck in quotes here, but stuck with people who are our life partners who we don't spend as much time with. And all of a sudden, we're kind of put in a situation where we're spending a lot of time with the people we love as opposed to our coworkers. Um, and it isn't it interesting to kind of see how that plays out. Karen, you're next. I'm curious what your thoughts are. You know, I think, I think it depends on, on where, you, where you are because for me, there are some people that there's just a natural connection and you want to open up you know, you want to open up, you want to become friends. And then there are, there are some, there's something that has, it's it like triggers and say, you know, this, this one should probably be, be, be more, uh, this is, this is work. This is just a professional, you know, professional relationship. I mean, you know, I relate everything to food. It's like, it's like a buffet. I mean, at work, there's all these different people. It's like a buffet. There are all these different kinds of personalities. It's like, you have to pick and, you know, pick and choose. What do you want? And what do you want to get, you know, get out of it? I mean, I'm still thinking about my dim sum. (laughs) You're making us all hungry. Uh, When this is all over, Pang's house of dim sum, we're all going. But, you know, that's how I've always treated work. It's just, you, you have to, you have to pick and choose. It's not always, it's not always the same. You know, I've worked with people that I have become lifelong friends with that have, you know, one of them is, she's my mentor. She's fabulous, but right. yeah, so that's my well, I answer. Guess it has to do with the environment that you're working in too. Yes, yes. You know? yeah. Because in a corporate yes. environment, you can't pick and choose. Someone who, like, I've always been a freelancer, basically, or a business owner. So yeah, I guess it really has a lot to do environmentally. Susanna, what do you think? You know, I've always kind of identified myself with being a fashion designer since I'm a little kid. And that that was, you know, how I kind of saw myself and going into having my own brand with my name on it. That was amazing. So so I've been somebody that's had a brand, had a business, hired people. I've also been someone that's hired teams of people within companies. So I've been really lucky at certain points in my life to really pick and choose the people that I know and trust and kind of nurture and, and they know and trust me. So it hasn't always been rosy, but I have to say that it is an amazing situation. If you can really identify the people that are going to be on your team and that are going to walk in an office and in a situation and, and their focus is having a good day, getting the job done, working with people. And it's been I have to say I've had a lot of great experiences throughout my business career. And I've also had, you know, as, as somebody hiring people, Karen, I can't remember who talked to this is like going into a corporate situation and owning a group that is like, all right, who is she? What's she going to do with me? And, and gaining that trust, that has been a challenge. Also, you know, people that 
didn't necessarily. There was one situation where I had a situation that um, a male worker designer did not want to work with me and, and report to me because I was female. So I felt like, you know, I don't know if I can bring him in and I couldn't in the end. So, you know, I think that business, working in teams, being, you know, in that situation, it's, you just have to like go in with a super positive attitude and really kind of embrace everybody, especially in fashion, because everybody counts on the team. Phil, you and I talk about this a lot, especially because you do a, you host a podcast called Transition to Style. And a good part of that is about how do you show up at work, at play with your colleagues, sort of as your true self um, unabashedly, um, but at the same time, understand that that comes with ramifications sometimes in terms of how people treat you. So I'm really curious to hear what your thoughts are on that. Speaking from my perspective, I have had my share of bridge, what I like to call bridge jobs, which are jobs that have nothing to do with the things that I really want to be doing. And I feel like those jobs really were about going in and getting a job done. I mean, I can go into pretty much any environment and and be friendly and, and make friends and work as a, a team member with no problem. But I feel like the the contrast between being in a job like that and what I'll bring to that job, as opposed to bringing into say something like this team would be very different. You know, if, if I'm going into a job, it's a nine to five, I just want to get in, I want to get out. There's probably going to be a little, it's going to be less of me in that. There's going to be more getting the job done, you know, putting my head down, heads down, like completing tasks. Whereas when I am in a position or I'm doing a podcast or I'm working with people that are, that are involved in my sort of what I like to call my right livelihood. It is a different, I'm bringing a different thing to it. There's more of me being brought to that. And so I think that uh, similar to what Karen says, there's sort of like ratios and like measurements that you do for each situation. And for me, there's going to be little less of me in a in a nine to five and it's something I'm just trying to power through. And it's going to be a lot more of me in something like this and something like the podcast where I just it, it drives it's what I bring to it is driven by who I am. So that sort of personality, there's going to be more of me in it. It's going to be a larger ratio of me in it. That makes sense. It does. It's such a balancing act. It's something that I think about a lot, especially as we're in the business of trying to personalize information and to really, we talk a lot about authenticity and values about mission statement and vision and how, and how all of the things that we do as an agency are help are there to help support that in a company or a organization. I think a lot to myself, you know, if, if I knew a little bit more about some of the people I worked with, I think I would be a lot more empathetic to the situation. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've been in meetings where I'm like, dear God, that person basically is the most annoying person in the world and made my life very difficult. But the thing is, is that I don't know, maybe they're going through a divorce and just got a text right before. And here I am expecting uh, her or him to show up in their fullness. And the fact is, is they shouldn't show up. They should be really focused on their personal life. And and also, maybe if I did know a little bit about that personal situation, it might actually change how we talk about the issues that we're facing at work. Uh, we might personalize them a little bit. And yet, on the contrast of that, I think there there is a, a fear or a danger of sharing too much or getting too involved in the personal lives of people at work when, in fact, 
we're all going to work typically for the common objective of making money for our employer. And that can be, that can be, you know, difficult. So I don't think that there's a, there's necessarily an answer. I do think that at the end of the day though, we don't, we don't get remembered necessarily for the job title that we have. We get recognized for the person that we were and how we showed up. And, and I think thoughtful person, and he was so good at marketing, like that's just a part of, you know, his or hers um, identity. And I, and I certainly think that that's, it's a tricky balance. And um, as, as an agency, I think these are conversations that we have a lot and that we'll continue to have as we think about how to help our clients. So I want to thank everyone for being part of this conversation today and being vulnerable. Some of those questions are a little bit tough. And as Isabella said, we did not prepare for these. So, and I, and I'm, you know, grateful also for Esther Perel uh, for putting those out there as, as some context for asking hard questions in the workplace questions that are deep, but don't necessarily go into the intimate details of your life that, that do provide a lot of color to a person without necessarily all the, all the deets. So again, thank you all for being part of this and look forward to having further conversations with you all. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. News Bites is a Fashion Consort production. Visit fashionconsort.com for more information.